Hey, Emily. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, ladies. Who said that? It's me, Carrie. Well, Carrie, do you want to do a podcast? Absolutely. Welcome to Cycle Swaps, the show where we stop the competition and start the collaboration. On this episode, we are speaking with clinical social worker, trauma-sensitive yoga facilitator, and host of Your Friend, the Therapist Podcast, Carrie Fillion. Carrie, we're so excited to speak with you. This is very exciting because you're basically brand new in the podcasting space. Yes, I definitely am. And it's so fun to have someone seek me out and kind of know me first as a podcaster rather than a therapist, because that's very much like the hat I wear in most every other setting. So it's fun to talk about the podcast a little bit. Yeah, of course. I can't wait to hear about your journey so far, what you've learned, all of that good stuff. I mean, it's probably, I, I remember when we first started and and how we felt and the things that I think we wish we would have known and all of that stuff. So I, I can't wait to get it from your perspective. It's very exciting. I don't know if we've ever had like a, a real new podcaster on the show yet. How long have you all been podcasting? If I can like switch the... Yeah, of course. We will be celebrating our three years in January. Wow. Then yeah, I'm definitely a baby compared to that. It's like six months or something, right? It, it's very new. Oh, not even. Yeah, just a couple months. It's amazing. I'm so excited. How long was your like lead up to getting everything put together so like did you give yourself a timeline when you were initially coming up with the idea for the podcast the idea for this podcast was very spontaneous on a whim and the answer to that question about how long it took me was probably like a couple days it was was very much like not a fully thought out idea that I just sort of ran with I was a guest on someone else's podcast and was like wow, I love this. I'm going to start my own. By the end of the day, I had like my branding (laughs) and my idea. And it was like, I just sort of went for when I have an idea in my head, I just kind of like go full steam until I decide I'm done. So that is how the podcast started as well. I absolutely love that. And it sounds very similar to the way that Stephanie and my brain works where we're just like a new show. Let's add it. It's we don't have enough yet. Let's do more. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so excited for you to be on this journey. It's a really cool one. We ourselves have had many guests actually start podcasts after being on ours, which is awesome because I'm so glad that people are finding something that they like and feel comfortable in the space and want to create space for themselves. I think that's really important. And we need more women to do this. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, no, it's awesome. There's a lot. I've been listening to podcasts for a long time and feel really inspired by them. So it's happy. I'm happy to be on kind of this side of things. Yeah, of course. I love it. So before we get into your podcast, I am so curious about my mom is a social worker. So I grew up with that in my life. I want to know kind of how you got into that and then your trauma informed yoga training and being a facilitator of that. I think that's really interesting as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll give kind of the like shorter version of how I got into social work, but I grew up in a really high control religious family, religious environment, fundamentalist, evangelical Christian church. I say that because that has informed a lot of how I practice social work and my kind of niche in the area of religious trauma spiritual abuse. But yeah, I kind of just always knew that I would be in a helping field in one way or another, whether that's because I was 
primed in religion to think that women need to be helpers <laughs> or whether it's just like an innate part of who I am, probably a combination of both, but like kind of played around with like the idea of being a nurse. I originally went to school to be a music teacher, didn't really like that. So I switched to school counseling, kind of like stayed in that education realm. So I got my master's in social work essentially in order to do what in Massachusetts we call school adjustment counseling or school social worker, school counseling physician, school therapist, and got like pretty burnt out between working in public education and also working in community mental health. So doing in-home therapy. And yeah, I think it's just been a long and winding road of figuring out what exactly I want to do when I grow up, I guess. I think I'm still figuring that out, right? That's that's a totally fair statement. But no, I've, I've found myself now in private practice, which I really love. I I think it took me a long time of working for somebody else to realize that that was not working for me. So, I mean, that's like a super shortened version of how I got into the field I'm in now. And then intertwined with that to answer your question around the trauma-sensitive yoga piece, a big part of my religious upbringing and experience with like complex trauma as a as a child and adolescent was a real disconnection from my body. And yoga was sort of the path back home, I guess, to finding my body, to connecting with my body. So I've been practicing yoga for off and on since I was probably like 16 or 17, a lot more seriously in the last like 10 years. When the pandemic happened, I kind of on a whim decided to get a teacher certification in yoga. So I I thought that was just going to be like for fun, but I ended up teaching at a local studio when things started to open back up and really liked the balance that teaching yoga offered me within my full-time day job, I guess. It was a nice like balance. And yeah, I was already sort of working in the field of trauma in my social work job and found the field of trauma-sensitive yoga. And specifically, I'm trained in, it's a mouthful, but it's trauma-centered, trauma-sensitive yoga, which is an evidence-based modality for recovering from complex trauma or treatment-resistant post-traumatic stress disorder. So that's sort of my primary yoga focus now, but I interweave the yoga with my practice, like my clinical practice. And yeah, that's the like nutshell version of my career and where I'm at. I think it's amazing, really. And I'm sure it informed your podcast. So what made you start? I mean, you started on a whim, but like what made you want to start? What made you come up with that name? All of that good stuff. Part of my own like coming into my adulthood, recovering from religious trauma is realizing that I am not the shy person that I thought I was and that I actually really enjoy talking with people. I mean, as a therapist, like, you know, that that is kind of a prerequisite, but I think I realized I enjoy it a lot more than I thought I did. And being a therapist is one very specific way of interacting with people. And I think what podcasting has offered me or what I was looking for was being able to have different types of conversations and not necessarily needing to be in the role of I am your therapist, but I still am always wearing that hat. And the name sort of comes 
from that idea of like, obviously I am a therapist in every setting, even though I'm not going to like fill the role of therapist, but it kind of comes from the idea of like going to a party as a therapist. And when people hear that you're a therapist, they start approaching you in a different way or bringing you things that like maybe they wouldn't talk about with somebody else. So that's kind of where the idea came from is like, I'm showing up as your friend, but I am also a therapist. So let's have some conversations that kind of are not therapeutic necessarily, but still bring in my therapy lens. So yeah, the name also sort of just came to me on a whim. And I like did a quick search on like Spotify and Apple podcasts to see if it existed. And I was like, no, it doesn't exist. So I'm going to claim this one as my own. Yeah. And here we are 11 episodes later. So cool. I love it. I love that you're on like right at the beginning of your journey. Cause I feel like we should talk to you in a year and just like see how far it's come. I'm sure that would be very interesting. I feel like we should check in once a year with her. We'll do like, you know, have you ever seen that Billie Eilish thing where they check in with her every year on how no. like she's grown and what's different? We just check in every year. We see how her podcast is doing. I like it. We'll do it. You have a standing appointment on cycle swaps every year. Amazing. <laughs> For I the rest it. of your life. That's it. This is a binding contract. You heard it here first. Yeah. What What's his name in Hercules? Hades, right? The one with yeah. the, yeah. We're going to have Hades make you a contract. You'll sign it. Don't worry about it. Amazing. Don't think about it twice. We got you. It will burn. It's just theatrics. He likes theatrics. So in this new kind of realm that you're in with the podcast and kind of merging your clinical world with this more non-clinical world and having conversations through that lens, what is the goal of your podcast and what can listeners expect to gain from it when they listen. The kind of overarching goal is to destigmatize mental health through just really intimate and honest conversations, not dissimilar to this podcast, but really focusing on the topic of wellness. And I think coming from my experience as a yoga teacher and as a therapist, so like having two feet in the wellness industry, I have been pretty like disillusioned by the way that the term wellness has been sort of like monetized and the way capitalism has gotten in there. And I'm trying to like really strip it back to like, what does wellness actually mean? What does it mean to take care of ourselves? And what I've been really surprised by is how every single person I interview answers that in a totally different way. And no one is talking about the, you know, $80 bath salts that they needed to buy and like really you know not that there's anything wrong with that certainly like those types of things have their place but that wellness isn't something just for like the privileged to experience like how can we all sort of access that so yeah it was really to destigmatize mental health and then the wellness thing kind of transpired from there because I grew up not having any concept of mental health mental illness and so I'm hoping to put a little bit more content out in the world that somebody who maybe doesn't have the resources I think podcasts are a really great accessible way to access information And so, yeah, I think that's just my goal to bring to the general public some of these conversations and topics that they might not otherwise have access to. I think that's really important because buzzwords are pretty and they catch your attention. But if you don't actually see the word underneath or understand the meaning of the word, it's just a pretty word. It's like something that we say a lot here. It's this idea that, you know, we're giving people the information that we think is important and 
that they can, you know, live their life to the best of their ability. But if you're unwilling to do the work, then the words we say are just going to go right over your head. You need to be able to put in the work to understand that there's so much more below the surface and those, those buzzwords, those words that make you click, they're just fancy. They're just pretty colors. Right. right. Yeah. And I think the the desire to do the podcast sort of also was birthed out of this like dissatisfaction the way social media was operating in my life. And for a similar reason as to what you just said, Emily, that social media is great in a very like specific way, but it doesn't have the, I guess, the depth that like conversation and community and relationships offer. So I've found doing the podcast to be a lot more like fulfilling than creating content for social media. That's uh, one of our biggest battles. I think that we, it took us a long time. I think we're probably in the best place that we've been in with it now. And I'll, I'll give a huge shout out to Jess Bergio when we had her on Cycle Swap. She kind of changed my, the way that I thought about our relationship to social media, especially mine. Stephanie has a a much healthier relationship with it. Well, and I also worked heavily in it and like kind of to add in on the buzzword thing. I, I think the the most important words to think about are like informed and uninformed. Mm. So you're going to find very informed content and then you're going to find very uninformed keyword and all that stuff. And so like, I like that yours is very informed. It's from a personal perspective and a professional perspective too. Cause I think that's important is we always try to like differentiate on the podcast. Like we'll say, this is just an opinion. You know what I mean? I don't take it as fact. And I think a lot of people want to come on the internet and put out content that's like very black and white with no room for thought or discussion or conversation. You know, it's like if you have anxiety, snap a rubber band on your wrist. And it's like, well, we know that that doesn't work. I always encourage people to try to ask questions about what they see instead of just blindly assuming that a lavender scent is going to get rid of your mental illness. Yeah. Something I really enjoy about being in like the podcaster role versus being a therapist is I mean yes as a therapist sometimes I'm like pushing back on my clients but ultimately it's about client empowerment and them being able to make decisions for themselves not me like putting my own opinions on them but I find within this podcasting space I can be a little bit more like me and push back on oh so you just told me that lavender is going to cure anxiety well like Hmm, let's like actually talk about whether that's true or not. And so that's like, it's just a fun, like subtle shift in roles that you can start to challenge ideas in a different way. I think it's really cool that I was going to say the anxiety space. Let me show you where my head's at. I think it's really cool that (laughs) which podcasting equals anxiety sometimes. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. Like kind of to speak from where we started versus where we are now. A lot of things that I think that we were worried about when we started, we just don't care about anymore because we're like, what an absolute waste of time that is because you're never going to make everyone like you. I mean, we did a series. I feel like this is I'd be curious to know if you've ever done something like this, but we did for Women's History Month. We did a real, I believe it was every day. Yeah, a real day. A real day. Of a different woman. Man, some of the people that we picked, you would have thought that we shot these people's puppies. I was like, okay, two hands in the air. Like, we're just trying to educate. Like, you know, and they're like, I can't believe you pick her. She's such a racist. And I'm like, okay, you know, let's, let's talk about why that wasn't good. And like, you know, but what were some of the things that she did that was, and then we talked about women of color. We talked about like the spectrum of it, but it, it really brought in 
in that diversity. Have you found that so far in anything that you've done? Like, have you dipped your toes into the potentially upsetting people water? Yeah, I think talking about religious trauma, which is not the specific focus of my podcast, but just the nature of my lived experience and a lot of my colleagues lived experiences bringing the words up brings controversy crazy i i don't think that i'm really like my reach isn't large enough to be kind of battling my dms all day around that topic yet i mean maybe we'll get there but yeah i mean i think talking about wellness and trauma and yeah specifically religious harm yeah it's, it's things that a lot of people members of my own family included don't want to hear. I think what's really hard about being in this space is that the people you think that are going to support you end up being the ones that try to talk you out of it the most. Mm. And it's so weird to me. Like I have one of my friends. I love her to death. She don't listen to any of this because she's told me. I've known her since we were kids and she's like, oh yeah, like I've not listened to any of your podcasts. And I'm like, that's like a really horrible thing. <laughs> Thank you. I'm like, all right, cool awesome she's like I'm sorry like it's just not my thing and I'm like well thank you for being honest but please also know that like the support actually matters it makes a difference even if it's just like go on and you play, let it play in the background you don't even have to listen to it but it helped you know what I mean like there's just little things that I'm like man you would think the people that are closest to you would support you the most but it's actually quite the opposite and I wonder where does that cut like where does that come from have you been experiencing that at all in your start here such a good question so there's certain people in my life who I intentionally have not told about the podcast because I don't want their opinions and they wouldn't find me otherwise because they don't they're not as tech literate and there's also certain people in my life who I've been very surprised that they do listen because I talk about some things you know specifically like growing up religious I have friends who are still religious and I I make no secret of where I stand on abuse within the church not that all religion is bad I just want to say that but harm is bad and so I've been actually surprised by some people who do listen. And like, these are parts of my life that I share in this public way, but don't always share in some of my relationships. And so they're learning about me. That's been really interesting. I thankfully haven't gotten a lot of pushback yet. And I have told myself from the beginning that when this project no longer feels fun and enjoyable for me, like that's when it's time to call it because I don't know if this will ever be a money-making project right now it's just really enjoyable for me to do so I'm I'm trying to be really mindful about I guess how much I tolerate in terms of the hard stuff because I I don't need to welcome more of that and that's not to say that I push back and like don't want hard conversations I definitely do when they feel useful but so far I'm really lucky that it's been mostly warm and my 20 followers really enjoy the show (laughs) hey listen we're three years into it almost and we still basically make no money from it it's just it's because we enjoy doing it that we're still here and our listenership is not where we would want it to be but it's a small but mighty group of people that have trusted us into their lives and played us on their way to work or on their way back or when they're cooking or picking up the kids and that's really all you can ask for at the end of the day I remember when we started we were like just one person we just want one person to listen and we did it so that makes it 
infinitely easier, but I love the way that you're looking at it as well. It's a, it's a very healthy mindset. And I'm so happy for you about that. Cause when we first started the support thing really kicked me, I will say in the, in the butt, it was a hard thing to swallow because I, I just didn't fathom this idea that I have been so supportive of others and why would you not therefore be supportive of me? I just, I wasn't raised that way. So like, I just didn't understand how, how that wasn't being given back. It's something that I, I don't really care about anymore. I've worked on it. It's huge. And if you ever need someone to just talk to, we both have felt yeah. that. Oh, I love that. It's so interesting. I've never even thought about people supporting my podcast as like people in my life as an expression of care for me. And that probably tells you a lot about my history. But like I have family members, people in my life who have made it very clear they don't even support my career. So I think that I've just kind of gotten used to that. And it's painful for sure. But I there are certain people where I just don't expect it. But yeah, it's, it, it, sucks, it sucks, doesn't it though? Yes. It doesn't, it doesn't feel very good. No, it hurt, especially when what you're trying to put out is the intention of helping other people. You know, you're not putting any ill intent into the world and to get that in return. Yeah, it's it is shit. Well, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear here. But. It's all, I'll bleep you out. We do it too. It all works. Maybe I'll put a dolphin noise under it. Who knows? So since you have just started, I, I don't know if you'll even, I mean, I'm sure you've spoken to some amazing people, but what's your favorite piece of advice you've learned from a guest? I saw this question and I was like, how do I even pick? Because ultimately, like I said, this podcast is intended to be enjoyable for me. And there's a real selfish undertone to it that like I these are people I want to talk to. That's the best part about being a podcaster, though. Yeah. You can get the people that you want to talk to. We just I don't Stephanie, I don't know if you saw the email, but we booked the woman senator. Oh, my God. We, that was something that we've wanted for a very long time. So, you know, it, it is selfish in that way. But that's the cool thing about it is that if you're interested, you go, well, if I'm interested, other people also must be interested because I'm not the only person that's thinking this way. Yeah. So be selfish. Yeah. I, I love it. I think that's yeah. the really cool part about it. To answer your question, I think that one of the things every time I do an interview, I get something new and it literally like I bring it into my life. There's two things that come to mind. One that has had a lasting impact is actually my interview with Hannah, who you guys have interviewed as well, wonderful friend and colleague. And that is sort of where my relationship with social media started to shift because in my conversation with her, we talked about wellness being more of a connection to ourself, which often means less time connecting in the virtual world. That really got me thinking about how I wanted to shift my relationship with social media. And I've since cut way back since my conversation with her. So Hannah Brent, give you credit for that. The other thing that's coming to mind right now, and again, there's something every single week that is so interesting to me. But the other one that I've been sitting with a lot is I had a conversation with a colleague, her name's Liza. And we spent the whole conversation talking about what it means to be a highly sensitive person. And I think I always sort of like looked down on that term. And then through the conversation, I was like, oh, wait, that's me. And that has been just really interesting to sit with. And 
you know, I can really nerd out about the nervous system and trauma and all of that and how being a highly sensitive person can make you more susceptible to the impact of trauma. And that has just been really fascinating. And it's something I've brought into my work with clients too, which is another thing I really enjoy about this podcast is I think it makes me a better therapist. And at the end of the day, that is really one of the most important things to me. So yeah, understanding what being highly sensitive is I think is something I've ignored my whole life and now I'm starting to like flirt with owning it a little bit more it it is pretty incredible isn't it that every time you speak to somebody I mean we know this for a fact and we've spoken to I don't even know if we put them all together over a hundred people I have learned something from each and every single person and that feels really special because so many people are only having conversation via online mm-hmm. and they're never having some sort of energy exchange or communication is so important. Yes, communication is happening online, but something changes when you are eye to eye with that person. Even though we're over Zoom currently, there is still an energy exchange that is happening. And even Steph and I have had issues in the past where like I send a text and she'll misread it and then she'll send it and I misread it. So like text can get really construed because we're not seeing emotions, which is why when masks, even though I'm wearing a mask in the classroom again, it made it so difficult for students to read my expression because they couldn't tell what my mouth was doing, only my eyes. So I had to really let those do the talking most of the time. It is so important to keep a space for verbal communication. I think we're forgetting that that's actually a thing that we can do. My students for theater appreciation, this is pretty typical in all colleges, you must see the on-campus production. The show that is on in the theater is Fahrenheit 451, which is based on the, the book, of course. A few of them were like, well, I'm curious, like some of them were acting very robotic. They were doing very robotic body language, and then people were not acting robotic. And they were like, I'm confused at why some people were acting this way and some were not. And I was like, that's a great question. I don't know the actual answer because I didn't direct the show. But from what I got from it, it was the idea that the people that were further away from knowledge and understanding of self were more cyborg-ish and mechanicalized humans. And then the people that were going to read the books and were taking in knowledge and were understanding the idea of thought and how important it is to speak for themselves were acting the way that we act now and the way the world that we know. I think it was a very interesting look at just that idea. And I was like, I hope everyone really paid attention because that's such a big theme. Please understand and know as we get closer to technology, we're also getting further away from ourselves. I don't know how I started that, but that's where I got in that entire thing. (laughs) Well, maybe I can tie a ribbon on it in like coming back to my... Please my ribbon on it. What that made me think of, and this is sort of my like trauma therapist hat, is there's a lot of research coming out and a lot of programs being built around the power of theater and acting in healing trauma because you learn to embody your emotions and your physical being. Something that I pride myself on as a teacher, I want to get to know my students as well as possible. They're not just students in my classroom, they're individuals. And I think it's important to treat them as such. And so whenever I have psychologists or therapists, people that are looking to go, I'm like theater and psychology, a match made in heaven, because both are just trying to understand human behavior. 
So if you have that background, you're going to be a much better actor. I would say actors are students of the world. It is so important and integral that we as actors consume as much as possible so that we learn and expand our worldview. That way, when we step into somebody else's position, we can do it truthfully with an understanding. Yeah, there is such overlap. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Theater is a beautiful place and I'm always so happy to teach my students if that. If I may chime in. because Yes, I'm, please. I'm listening. I'm taking notes. If you see me looking off it's most of the time I'm, I'm looking things out I'm typing I'm writing I'm like I feel very inspired by this conversation because I come from a little bit of religious trauma myself as someone who is openly queer I'm just going to use that umbrella term because I love it all that I hated myself for a really long time and so like I needed I didn't even realize that I needed it connection with other people who were like me. And so by doing that, you heal a lot of those things that you can't heal on your own. And so connection is important because I don't think we're meant to just be solitary all the time. Like I love being alone, but it gets to a point where it's like, how do I know the experiences I'm having? I, I kind of like to use depression as an example. It's one of those mental illnesses that make you feel so alone like you're the somebody I forgot the gentleman who did a TED talk but he said it perfectly is like it's a club that makes you feel like you're the only person that's a part of it but you turn around and there's a line all the way out the door and you're not alone but the problem is you can only see in front of you and every once in a while you have to stop and turn around and see that there's a whole group of people behind you I just think connection so important for your podcast are you doing things in person or are you starting with zoom like wh where do you hope to see your podcast grow into yeah so the podcast is I don't use zoom but we don't have to get into like the nitty-gritty of like the podcast I don't know that I ever need that to be in person but I I did think long and hard about my practice my like therapy practice and whether I would switch to fully remote because that is like becoming really common and I've decided to stay in person and actually really prioritize people who will come in person I mean I live in and not a remote area, but like not a super well populated area, like not a major city. So that's, I guess, a risk in some ways that will it be worth the rent that I pay, you know, for my office to have people in person. And ultimately, I've decided that yes, that physical connection is worth you know, driving and rent and whatever, like that is, there's a reason that there's power in being in presence. I also have a therapy dog who comes to the office with me. So of course, like you only get the benefit of her if you're in person, right? Because if we're home, she's just like, I want nothing to do with you. I want to go sleep on the bed. <laughs> but I do keep a portrait of her behind me. <laughs> that's so amazing. I can't even tell you like, that's so great. Because that's, that would be the selling point for me. I would be like, man, like I love my therapist and she is actually near where I live, which is crazy because I have her online. I found her through BetterHelp and I have wanted to go to her so bad. And I'm like, one of these days, I'm just going to bite the bullet. She doesn't take insurance. I'm going to bite the bullet and I'm just going to go see her because it's like, it's just a different vibe. And she's able to read me so well over the phone I couldn't even imagine what that session would be like in person because there's, you can hide a lot. If you're a good therapist, I feel like you're able to pick up on it and she's good. She'll call me out. She'll be like, oh, I'm noticing you're like, you're like closing off. She's like, try opening up a little bit. I know this is very hard for you. And I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. So it's, <laughs> I, I feel like 
yes, being in person, you absolutely, like I get in my head if I see somebody via like even these sometimes interviews, I'm like, oh my God, they think I'm talking too much or they think, you know, when you're in person, you feel that energy. And that's, that's the exchange with someone. So, and, and you have a dog there. God, bury me and call me happy. I would be, I'd be so thrilled. The, the amount that that alone would be like, shoes would be kicked off. I'd be on the floor, just like baby. And I'm sure you get, you get that too with people is that immediately that wall drops and they're able to actually get more out of the session. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do wonder how many people come to me just for the talk. <laughs> But it's yeah, a huge right? selling like, point. Why not? I joke that she's my one employee and she gets room and board. So it's okay if she's doing some of the work. She's living the best life. So Listen, cute. <laughs> they don't even they don't even know how lucky they are. I got my two cats sleeping downstairs. I got the dog sleeping behind here. They're living you great lives. Put a little like a little degree up of her, you know what I mean? And just like make it up though. Like from I like I don't know, furry university or something. Just like make it up. That's furry hilarious. university. I bet if we looked that up right now, I bet that's a university somewhere. Yeah, for that's furries. probably a university that's in a section of the internet that's yeah. not the most appropriate. Furries. It would be for furries. She's a kink-friendly therapy dog. <laughs> Perfect. We listen. Love it. Everybody has their thing. Whatever works. It doesn't matter. We don't shame on this show. We don't shame. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> so I really want to ask because I think it's so interesting. What is one thing that you like wish you knew before you started podcasting that you have learned now as you have started this journey, even though it is short, I'm sure there's like a lesson that you've automatically been like, well, coulda, woulda, shoulda. Yeah, it's a good question. And I've tried to adjust as I go. One of the things I learned early on was as much as I'm comfortable just having like a casual dialogue without preparation some people really need that so that's like an adjustment I've made giving some question ideas going into it what do I wish I had known I think that at the beginning I wish I had placed a larger emphasis on talking to non-therapists like because I'm a therapist a lot of people I know are therapists and so I have a lot of therapists on the podcast and I think some of the feedback I've gotten from my non-therapist guests, they feel a little intimidated by that. And I don't think they mean it like in any way against me, but I wish I had really focused on inviting just all different types of people because that is sort of in my tagline, like wellness for everyday people, intimate conversations with just everyday people. And there's therapists, we can get really kind of like nerdy and use a lot of lingo. And I think that can alienate people. So I mean, it's not, you know, I don't, this doesn't keep me up at night, certainly, but I think just making it a little bit more expansive. And and that's what I am trying to do. I, I think it's an organic process. Yeah, I think that I actually learned a lot from opening my own business and private practice about the boundaries I wanted to set up around podcasting. So at this point in time, I'm feeling pretty proud of how I established it and how boundaried it became or is. But yeah, I think there's lots of room to grow. And I'm sure there's lots of ways that I don't even know yet that I will grow from this experience. 
that's the best part is being open. I mean, Steph and I had a concept and idea and everything changed when we brought on our first guest. We spoke by ourselves for the first episode, then we had our moms on and then Nicole changed the whole game for us. So we were like, well, I guess it's not what we thought it was. I feel a little lost in this. Who is Nicole? Nicole Snell for uh, the CEO of Girls Fight Back. She was our first actual guest that we had. Yeah. And she totally changed the game for us. Man, I got to go back in the in the archives because I have not listened to the first episode. (laughs) You were talking about growing and and changing and evolving before. So it kind of leads me to like the question of how podcasting has changed your life or maybe how you think it will change your life. And then we'll come back in the year, like we said, and we'll see if it actually did it in that way. Yeah, I think it has definitely changed me or it's perhaps maybe a better way to put it is it is a more public expression of how I've changed. It has allowed me to own this like more extroverted part of me. And yeah, I think has really allowed me to own the fact that I love talking to people. Anxiety to, you know, clap back to that is certainly a huge struggle for me throughout my life and continues to be. But I, I think that right now I'm able to sort of like overcome that and really enjoy this. I mean, shout out to like psychiatric medications for making that possible therapy. And I think that this is sort of like an expression of how far I've come and that I'm open to like having these conversations with people I don't know, not just open, but like seek it out, enjoy it, like really get a lot of life from it. About a year ago, I started traveling by myself, which feels like a similar kind of probably more intense than podcasting, but a similar like I'm just going to jump in and like we're going to be fine. And it's sort of like a trusting the process and trusting that whatever happens, I will I will make it through. Yes, I will figure out how to edit audio, right? I will figure out how to market or how to upload like all these skills that like, yeah, I don't know, but I'm sure I can figure it out. Yeah, like a lot of self trust has been gained in this process. For sure. I'm so happy for you. That's That's amazing. It really is. Well, this conversation has been nothing but lovely. I'm not shocked that you know Hannah because she's lovely as well. And we really enjoyed getting to speak to her. She is certainly one of the best. We had such a good conversation with her. And I'm jealous that you're in Boston and probably have some really beautiful autumn weather. Yeah, yeah. It's it's beautiful right now. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Way to really stick it in me. Well, I need to know what women empowerment means to you. Yeah, I mean, we could spend a whole other hour talking about this, I think. I'm going to keep it very concrete. And given the name of the show, I know that you're not just about the menstrual cycle. Like I followed the whole saga on Instagram about how that is not just what you are. But for me personally, I think educating myself about my body, specifically the menstrual cycle and destigmatizing that has been a huge source of empowerment. You know, and I think this is for anyone who like has a menstrual cycle, right? Women, whatever, non-binary trans, that this is not a bad thing about us. It's not a curse. It's There's actually like some amazing gifts and I get real nerdy and spiritual about cycle syncing and like connecting with like the lunar energy and like I can like 
get a little woo-woo in there, but I think really it's coming back to how amazing our bodies are. Yeah, I just continue to be fascinated by the female body specifically. Again, you know, Stephanie, like kind of owning a queer identity, right? How amazing just bodies are, right? But I think we all kind of are primed to think male bodies are great, but like, let's look at just the power of femininity, female bodies. I always like to think if a man had a period, like if my husband had a period, my God, I mean, he's already a bad patient. I couldn't even imagine him once a month bleeding and me having to deal with it. He, it would be, I would hear no end. There would be so much crying. It would be a lot of work. Right. And we're just like, we grin and bear it. I'm like, yeah, I'm bleeding. I'm going to go teach. Uh, I got to work out. I got to walk the dog. Let me go cook. Like, I'm like, got to do it. Got to keep going. But he would, he would definitely stop in his tracks and have the heating pad and be like, can you make me matzo ball soup? Of course course (laughs) I would. But, you know, I think of that a lot. I'm like, "Mm, they don't even know. They don't even know. And yet I have taken it upon myself to make sure that my partner is well educated. Whether he likes it or not. Good. Um, so it's gotten to the point where he is like, Oh, you're bleeding right now. Like, why don't you just like rest? No wonder you're tired, or like I'm ovulating. And he's like, Oh, that's why you have so much more energy. (laughs) So I love that. It's yes, it is possible. Yeah, that that's important. I I know that they had those machines. I forget what show that was, but they had the gentleman put on a machine on their stomach that had them like it pulsated like cramps do. Yeah, their reaction to it was so huge. Like, and it's just they were like, this is like a normal cramp for a woman, and the men could not handle it. I was like, interesting, then that interesting. But yeah, it's it's huge getting to know your body and feeling confident and secure and understanding it and what's going on inside of it. I mean, we've just scratched the surface and I can't wait to continue diving deeper into figuring everything out. I mean, we just had a PCOS expert on and my God, I learned so much. I was like, wow, this is crazy. So yeah, I just got to feel lucky for being able to identify things within myself. So that's huge. I totally agree. All right. My last question for you, which is curious because you're therapist, but I'm going to ask you, what advice would you give your 15 year old self? (laughs) Yeah, that's another question that I saw and was like, where do I even start with this? And I, I think I have a whole article on my blog about how the younger version of myself would look at me and not be proud and would be quite ashamed. And that has a lot to do with religion and all that stuff. The advice that I would give her if she was willing to listen to me is probably like the world is so much bigger than you realize right now. And I was very much taught the world is a scary, dangerous place outside of like a Christian bubble. And I think I might just gently nudge her in the direction of like the world outside of Christianity is not as dangerous. And actually there's a lot of really cool things you're going to discover once you break free. I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. You are welcome. (laughs) You know, it's so interesting, right? Because that makes me think when we're younger, you said something that I don't think any guest has ever said is that the younger version of me would be a little disappointed. It's almost making me think of like younger me would also probably be like, what a sin. You like women. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But how uninformed and how scared that version of me was because I wanted to feel those things so bad because they felt organic and natural and normal. But I was made to feel 
like I did something wrong. And I think change at its base is going against fear or like going through the fear to find that that thing you were afraid of maybe you just weren't educated about or you didn't surround yourself with the right people and so that's kind of goes full circle back to why podcasting is so important because it allows you maybe that first step of hearing someone else's story so that you can feel less alone. I think that's what you're doing. And it's scary to share because even when we started, I was sharing some stories that I was like, uh, and I would tell Emily, cut that out. And then one day I said, don't actually don't cut that out. And my God, the amount of people that reached out to me, I've never felt more free in my life. And it still sometimes feels a little bizarre. Because I feel like I'm going against the grain or like like I'm doing something wrong. But then I, it's almost like I have to quiet down and talk to that little version of myself, that young me. And I have to say, what are you so afraid of? Because I know this isn't coming from us at our core feeling like this is wrong. So what are we afraid of? So I think that's really beautiful. I know it's not easy on this journey. You do have a friend and a sisterhood with us. We mean it when we say reach out to anyone listening reach out, cultivate connection. Like that's the only way we're going to get the job done. So thank you so, so much for taking time to speak with us. Is there anything coming up that you want people to know about within your own sphere? And where can people find you? Because I think I think you're going to find a lot of people that like relate to the religious side because for the first couple episodes, girl, that's all I talked about is I was just like, just trauma. And so everyone's like, we get it, Stephanie. So where can people find you? And do you have anything coming up that we should be keeping our eyes and ears open for? First, I just want to name that like freedom that you mentioned, you know, in starting to share your story and say like, no, don't edit it out. This is the first time I've ever like publicly identified myself as queer, although it's something I know and like my personal circle knows that. So that feels good. Okay, back to your actual question, though. It's amazing, though. Thank you for sharing <laughs> and, and finding this to be a, a safe and, and judgment-free environment. That's always what I tell my my students. So I'm glad that that was able to transfer over here. Well, yeah. You know what it is, that, that queer thing? It's because I've only dated men. And I was so invalidated by, like, certain section of queer community. And then I started meeting people who were like, you don't have to, like, do everything with everyone to figure out that you're queer. Welcome. We think think you're valid. And I'm like, what? I got you. Your little bubble. Welcome. It's a very exciting thing. It's also very scary. I came out to my mom like 15 times. She's like, I don't understand. You date men. And I'm like, ah, mom, yeah. <laughs> how many times do we have to do this? Bless Joanne's heart though. She, she's a super ally now. Now she's just Aww. like, look at rainbow shirt. Yeah. So amazing. She's, yeah. She's amazing and I love her to death. And so it's scary, but welcome. Now it's just, it's an avalanche of just saying everything that you feel. You're like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a little, it's a gift to that younger self that, right, that mm -hmm. was scared. So. Yes, ma'am. But where you can find me. So I am, I know I talked about how disillusioned I am with Instagram, but I am still on there. Although my notifications are all turned off. So in an emergency, do not DM me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you can find me at Carrie Fillion Psychotherapy. That's my private practice page. Also, your friend, the therapist pod for the podcast and your friend, the therapist, you can find on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I don't have any projects outside of the podcast coming up. I really try to live with the seasons and slow down a bit as we get to this like cozy time. But I am hosting a 
panel version of my podcast that will be how to stay well during the holidays edition. So keep an eye out for that. That'll be kind of an exciting out of the ordinary project. But yeah, I can I will continue with the podcast again as long as it feels fun. So season two gearing up to go. Emily and Stephanie will be on season two in 2024. So we're definitely making it into 2024. So exciting. Well, thank you for everything. I mean, it's only going to go up from here. I just feel like you've got such a calm, cool demeanor. And even you just saying like going with the seasons, I'm like, yeah, go with the seat. Like that's my vibe. And I think that's a lot of our listeners vibe too. So please, please go check out all the links are below. And if you don't know who we are, as we love to say now, what are you living under a rock? We are Emily and Stephanie of the podcast Cycle Chats. You can find us on www.cyclechats.com. Just go there. It's got all of the links. We've got YouTube. We've got newsletters. We only send it out once a month. We've got merch that go to a great cause. We got everything. So go check us out. And per the usual, we hope you sync up with us next time. (laughs) 